0: Well, hey there, and welcome back to Fire and Soul. Happy New Year, Soul Fam. How are you? It feels like it's been forever since we last connected, although it's only been three weeks. However, of course, time has a whole new meaning for so many of us these days. So on the one hand, it feels like forever, and on the other hand, it feels like it was literally a minute ago. Ah, Yeah, I just hope you're feeling really good, clear, and connected, and uh, just giving yourself a lot of love. It's kind of wild out there to say the least, which is why it's never been more important for us to learn how to drop in to the places that bring us peace and comfort uh, on a dime, right? Whatever that might mean for you, some breath work, candle gazing, walk in nature, taking a quick hot shower or a bath, but yeah, I hope that you have those rituals and practices in place that you can go to when you need them. Because yeah, things are pretty tricky, and and uh, for me over the holiday break, um, I just went really slow. And I didn't I didn't expect to do that. As an FYI, I had a lot of really ambitious, creative goals on the agenda between Christmas and New Year's. But I just every time I opened up my computer, I just couldn't. My soul was like, no, it is time to reflect. It is time to rest. It is time to replenish and to reset, which makes sense because I'm out here in California and we are in the dead of winter. (laughs) And, um, and it's just, yeah, it it was just very clear to me that I could not go against the natural rhythm of, of mother earth for where we are. I realize we have listeners all around the world. And so wherever you are, I just hope you are able to truly honor the natural rhythm of of your environment and also the current season of your life. That's my, that's my highest intention in general as I kick off 2024 for myself, just being so fully aware that we're all learning to navigate some pretty wild waters. <laughs> but we can, and we were born for this. We chose this, and I'm um, so grateful to be navigating this with you. Now, today's conversation is really special. It changed me in certain ways, and I'll share more about that in a moment. But before I do, I also want to let you know about a couple of invitations that I'm really excited about. This would be a way to deepen connection with like-hearted, like-minded community of fire and soul listeners just like you, as well as just give yourself to really big gifts. So the first one is our upcoming Soul Essence Retreat that's happening in Ojai, California in April. Ojai is known as the Spiritual Vortex. It's about an hour north of LA uh, airport, as an example, but from where I am, maybe 45 minutes. I'm on the Calabasas area for those of you who are newer to the show, and uh, this is going to be a four-day, all-inclusive retreat at a beautiful luxury farmhouse on 110 acres of private, sacred, lush land. And, uh, we have an in-house chef and massage and photography and gentle yoga and gentle trail guides and a shamanic sound bath and many other surprises and, uh, heart opening ceremonies, earth-based and nature inspired rituals. And really the journey is to take you home to your little girl. And uh, the women that have already chosen to say yes, it's just such a beautiful vibe that's being co-created, highly conscious, really open, uh, growth-based women just like you. And um, I'm just really honored to get to facilitate this. The feedback from our last retreat that we just did in October was extraordinary so i would invite you to get curious about this being perfectly aligned for you just yeah tuning into the show and getting to connect with like-minded Spiritual sisterhood that are wide awake and on this path, and you can do that. Uh, there are four seats left, and I want you to know that we have an early bird discount of a thousand dollar savings that goes away on January eleventh. So, if this speaks to you, I, w- I would invite you to head on over to michelle sorrowcom uh, <laughs> I can say it: michelle sorrow.com forward slash Soul Essence Retreat, hi. It's also in the navigation tabs uh, tab. I can speak, wow, I'm a little rusty, Um, called experiences. The other invitation that I want to let you know about is something that we weren't anticipating doing, but I did mention it before. It's called the Mastery Mastermind. This is a mastermind that's co-ed and I ran it for, uh, let's see, over two years, but we had a three-year hiatus. Um, with master coach Michael Nitty. Now he is someone who could be like my father. He's in his early 70s, I want to say. Um, just a benevolent soul who had his awakening maybe 35 years ago, maybe longer. And anyway, we ran what we called a microdose of the Mastery Mastermind with four sessions and very thoughtfully curated topics all on the quest, the path, if you will, of self-mastery. And we ran that in November for four weeks consecutively, and it was so popular and it was so extraordinary that it was just a request and we felt it anyway, myself and Michael. Let's roll this out for Q1 of 24. So now we're opening up to a, a, a broader reach. If this speaks to you, it's really affordable. This is our low, my lowest ticket offering that I can offer up. It's $97 a month and uh, it's three months at a time. And you get the microdose bundle from our November round when you join us for this round. So it's, we meet the last three Tuesdays. Of each month we kick off Tuesday January 16th and again last three Tuesdays of each month have a break for integration one week off and then reconvene and the vibe in there is very much this vibe here open transparent connected supportive awake conscious um. who the, the shares in the soul seats are really deep and vulnerable. But yet, if you just want to observe and soak it all up and learn from proximity, you can. If you want to get involved more deeply, you can. I mean, basically anything goes. This is a beautiful vibe that I feel super proud of. So this is for you, uh, available for you if you choose. And you can learn more about it also on my website at michelle-sorrow.com forward slash mastery mastermind. And again, on the tab called experiences. And I'll link to both of these invitations in the show notes for you, which brings me to the reason that you are here to meet the man behind the memes <laughs> that so many of us have been touched by. And this conversation with James McRae is really special. I mean, He is the author, poet, meme artist, and creative strategist that many of us know, of course, through Words or Vibrations, his account on Instagram. He's also got the Sunflower Podcast, and he's been cultivating a global community now for, I want to say, we're coming up on six years, if I recall correctly from our conversation. And what I love about this conversation is... We get a little bit of his backstory, you know, coming from high profile corporate career um, as a graphic artist on Madison Avenue. But before that, a really small town and him getting that hit that there was more. Uh, And now, of course, uh, where he is in Austin, Texas with his new wife, but longtime partner. And I'm hoping to get her on the show as well, by the way. And it's just this conversation where it changed me. Uh, it was in many ways, I, I really didn't fully grasp how deep the call is on his soul in his work as an artist, as a creative, and how at some point in this conversation, it really opened up in me a permission slip to really own my art and what that could even mean for me by definition, by description, by identity. I really thought that that was for those people, those creatives, those artists. And the way that James speaks, actually, I'm so moved by it. I'm getting a little teary as I recall certain potent moments in our conversation where I was really moved because I realized he's got magic and medicine for anyone willing to be open to listen and that our art is who we be. And so for that, it just opened me up into a whole new like field of possibility and potential and, and service. And I just have such a reverence for this man, his mind, his heart, his creativity, his gifts. And I know that I'm not giving you too many details of the key points and topics that you are about to get into, but honestly, I don't think I need to. I I invite you to stay all the way to the end, especially because at one point I asked him, Something that I was actually so surprised by his answer. It was like a really benign, simple question. And I think it was something around the lines of, you know, if the internet goes down, James, what would you do? How would you make a living? What would you do for money? And his response was so obvious, but I hadn't heard it in that way. And I was like, yeah, in that, in that the truth for us all. Ah, we get to the moment of his awakening or part of it. And what were those you know the catalyst and the initiations that he honored. We talk about what is the new renaissance high level and how we're really stepping into what can best be described, at least the way that I'm feeling into it, ancient future vibrations, right? This way of being. We definitely touch on what does true leadership mean in the new renaissance, and ultimately the through line throughout this conversation. And I know it's a through line to his life, and certainly in mine. And it's surrender what does surrender even mean and what is the call on each of our souls of course it's unique to each and every one of us but what does that mean when we really listen and then honor that call maybe with our art our action our words our full self-expression that's the art and that's the invitation in this conversation Ah, what a gift to get to bring this to you. By the way, I'm going to link to his brand new book that comes out next month, February of this year, if you're listening in real time, called The Art of You, the essential guidebook for reclaiming your creativity. If you want to pre-order that, I had the luxury and privilege of reading it before my conversation with James and man, it is a treat, and of course, many of you are familiar with his first two books, "Shit Your Ego Says" and "How to to Laugh in Ironic Amusement During Your existent, Existential Crisis," and um, all of that you can find on his website, which of course I will link to as well. So, without further ado, for reals, uh, please enjoy this conversation called "Surrendering to True Leadership in the New Renaissance" with James McGrath. James McRae. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to finally have you on the pod. Welcome to Fire and Soul.
1: Thanks, Michelle. So happy to be here.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's so cool. You know, we were chatting, uh, obviously, before I hit record, and we're going to definitely move into all things new year, new renaissance, which I know has your heart. But there's something that snagged my soul as I was in my preparation for this conversation. And it was a conversation that you had on the New Age Sage podcast recently. And there's a whole clip that, so we don't need to go too much into it, but I have to start here because it lit me up. And it was one of your favorite quotes by Buckminster Fuller about changing the world, not to fight the existing, the existing system, obviously to create a new model, not so much of the energetics that I'm feeling into for this, I believe what will be pivotal year. But would you be willing to expand on that for my listeners that may be one of the few that do not follow you <laughs> yet?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the quote i'll try to remember exactly how it goes but it's something like you can't change the world by fighting against the existing reality if you want to change the world you have to create a new model that makes the old model obsolete mm. and um i think that's true in so many ways for me for me what that means is it's it's a it speaks to the power of imagination and creativity. Mm. And it also speaks to how, you know, the the energy and the thoughts and the actions that we put out into the world have a ripple effect around us. So in other words, if you're gonna fight against something, you're putting, the ripple effect that you're putting out into the world is one of anger and being combative and i believe you know i'm I'm sort of a buddhist i'm a kind of sort of an unofficial buddhist <laughs> and i sort of believe that you know when when we you know anger creates more anger yeah and um hate creates more hate so there's so much in the world that i would like to change that i'm sure you would like to change that all of the listeners would like to change
2: mm.
1: and for me it's not about fighting against the things we want to change. It's about being a living embodiment for the world that we want to see Uh and letting our energy and our thoughts and our creativity and our art and our actions Mm. and our social media content Mm. and all of it create a ripple effect around us. Mm. I think that's how real change is made. It's like, you know, one of the things that I'm best known for is making memes <laughs> mm. and, and, and memes are the, 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 the literal definition of a meme is a viral idea mm. and it, you know, the right idea, we're, we're all, we're, we're all carrying memes and spreading memes every day, whether we realize it or not, you know, mm. the, your interactions with people, both online and in real life, you know those actions are, are perpetuating one meme or another, you know? So I try to, as best I can, perpetuate me- memes in my own life of love and compassion and mm-hmm. acceptance and forgiveness and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I actually learned the other day, an interesting um fact about the etymology of the word protest. Because mm-hmm. I think right now we think of the word protest as you go out in the street and you're angry about something and you are marching against what you don't want. Yeah. And the literal word for the for the, for protest, the literal definition is from the Latin "pro," meaning in favor of, and "testis," which means to declare or witness. Mm. So the the actual literal definition of protest is to declare or witness that which you are in favor of.
0: Ah, so good.
1: Um. So for me, that's just. That's the role of artists and creatives to to plant those visions that we want to see and being living embodiments of the world that we want to inhabit.
0: Mm, So rich. Yeah. And it so spoke with me because there's been a real shift as we continue to see, right? It's like the Russian dolls and people's perception of reality and really knowing ourselves and how to hear those calls or whispers of our soul to know our own truth right and then how can we be collaborative has been so important but one of the shifts that i've noticed recently especially on the gram which is where you play the most i believe um is truth is coming out so hard and almost yes against anything else and i'm like oh this feels very much like what we are all evolving out out of and away from right or really just integrating because we can't fully escape it we are here Um, So I appreciate that because I think that that's really good medicine to kick us off, especially into the new year. Yeah. One of the questions that I had for you, because I don't know a ton about your backstory, but I know that you were Madison Avenue, New York, corporate career as a graphic artist turned, you know, meme making poet, author, podcaster, you know, guide of a global community that you are on the pulse of what I believe humanity needs to hear, needs to know we're not alone in And how you describe and how you share with such divine intuitive timing. But most people don't know how to escape, right? The corporate career trap. Can you walk us through or share anything that feels relevant and alive today, how that actually happened and what could leave a clue for others, a cheat code, as you like to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Honestly, for me, the, the key word that comes to mind is surrender. Mm. And I'll start by saying that I never felt completely at home in that corporate world. And I think that so many of us don't, even if we find ourselves there, there's something sort of unnatural about it. And, you know, for me, I, I grew up as an artist, as a poet,
2: mm.
1: and I, I sort of feel like I snuck into the business world through the back door <laughs> because I was just trying to be an artist. And I, 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 I actually didn't go to college right away because I was just wanting to paint and, and write and things like that. Mm-hmm. And eventually I thought, well, I should probably go to college and like get some more direction and um, you know a, some semblance of a, of a career path, even if it's something that's creative. So I went to a, an art school And I, and I went to study graphic design and then it was through graphic design that I started working in the advertising industry. So that was kind of my foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I kind of spread my wings a little bit and decided I wanted to do more writing and do more strategic thinking and big picture thinking. So I became a brand strategist Mm -hmm. and I spent a number of years as a, as a brand strategist, leading a branding team, uh, in New York city. Um,
0: I want to pause there for a second because you're smiling and you're looking away and I I bet you're remembering what that was like, because I've heard you share about what a gigantic risk that was for others who said, don't do that. But you chose to answer the call. So I want to speak to that thread just for a moment.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in in taking risks and doing things that don't seem like the thing you should do. If it's the thing that your heart really wants you to do. Yeah. You know, yeah, there were, there were a lot of people that told me, oh, you know, you're a designer, you're a creative, like, don't try to be a strategist. Um, It's a whole different job and you you don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And it was the same with like moving to New York city. You know, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota and um, when I moved to New York city, you know, people were advising me against it. And, and, you know, it was a rough transition, but I've always believed in, in just following your own heart and following the beat of your own drummer, Mm -hmm. even if it's not conventional, even if it's not accepted. um, Because I think that's the only way to find lasting fulfillment is to follow those wild passions or those intuitive hits that don't make sense in the In the outside world but they make sense in the inside world Mm -hmm. and if you only follow what society is telling you to do i mean that's no way to create a life that you love or that you know you feel excited about it's like it's kind of a dead-end road when you only follow what you're told and follow the directions Mm -hmm. so i believe that following your heart is the best compass and um, I've tried to do that, even when it wasn't easy, and even if it um, if it required a, a risk of some sort.
0: Mm, yeah, one of my favorite parts of your journey, as I as I reflect back, is when you also made a conscious decision to leave Hay House, which is most people's biggest dream, and I'm sure it was at one point for you, I imagine. Um, and then to know that, like, no, I'm actually that's no longer calling me this is and so let me try this can you speak to that bridge
1: yeah so it it all happened you know this 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 goes back to your original question about leaving the um the corporate world because yeah my first book came out with hay house when i was still working in advertising and i was i wrote it you know every every morning and and every night i was you know working on the book and um And a lot shifted both for my professional career and my writing career around 2019, 2020. And I think that a lot of people had transformations, awakenings around that time, even if it's a bit of a rude awakening, (laughs) as I know it it is for so many people. I know yourself included, myself included. And basically I was feeling stuck. I was feeling like I was wearing clothes that no longer fit me, like going into to the office and and day in and day out working this corporate job that I no longer felt excited about. It kind of felt like there was just a dead end. Like it felt like everywhere, the more I tried to push, the more I was just banging my head against a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I just felt, I just felt like I was at a loss for how to, how to proceed. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really an act of surrender Mm. to stop trying and stop, stop trying to, you know, um, climb the corporate ladder. And at the same time, it was also a kind of this inner rebellion against being like a self-help type author so at the time i'm juggling like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a corporate i'm a corporate professional and i'm also like the self-help hay house author and both of them felt like it was a dead end mm. and this was like right around the time when when COVID happened and like the world turned upside down
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what happened was when i surrendered And I stopped fighting and I stopped trying and I stopped trying to force and push my way forward. Mm -hmm. I surrendered. And I believe that when you, when you surrender to the universe, that's when there's a moment of grace that happens. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you stop trying to push your way forward and you finally relax into where the universe is trying to Mm -hmm. push you, Mm -hmm. um, that's a moment of grace. So I I started writing poetry again. Mm -hmm and i started to connect with my inner artist
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and i didn't want and i and i didn't want to be a self help writer i didn't want to be a corporate professional i just wanted to make art and i wanted to provide a deeper value to the world that mm-hmm. i felt w- was something that was trying to come out of me
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's when all this poetry started flowing out of me and also memes and i started to play around with memes as poetry And memes as an art form and memes as a form of communication and, um, to express different spiritual ideas or philosophical ideas. Um, and it, for me, it was really returning to what I was like as a child,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: when I was just making art, writing poetry, and it was that returning to that inner child, that inner artist, Mm -hmm. that I finally felt like I was wearing clothes that fit me,
2: mm-hmm. you know, and
1: I just, um, I felt like I was just shedding, shedding this, this almost like the snake shedding its skin. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so important. And that's a, that's a, that's a trend that I've noticed. And so many of the artists that I admire is just mm-hmm. the, the willingness to shed their skin when it no longer fits them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to shape shift and to embody a new form. Cause I think that, change is natural i think that we're often so afraid to change because people expect certain things from us and and we're known as as this and that, and what will people think if we change? And I just believe that change is our natural state. It's actually unnatural not to change. Mm. Um, So I've always tried to, to embrace change, even, even when it's difficult. And I think that's the best way to stay young, stay fresh, stay inspired and Mm. to just align with your own deepest purpose.
0: So good. So was that about the same time? I want to come back to your awakening in a moment. Um, it was that the moment that you started. Words are vibrations on the gram.
1: It was. I mean, that I've had. I've had the same Instagram account for many, many years, but it's changed names and many times. Mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. it was the name of my first book is "Shit Your Ego Says." Yes. So my Instagram name was "Shit Your Ego Says." Mm. And that just no longer resonated. Like it's kind of funny. I kind of like the the humor of it, but I also became very sensitive to the vibrations of those words.
2: Yes. So like it's
1: my name, but I've got I've got the word shit and the word ego in the name. <laughs> Even though it's kind of a joke, it's kind of it is a vibration.
2: Yes. So
1: um I set out the intention to to change the name. I didn't know what I would change it to. And then one day out of nowhere, the word the words, uh, words, our vibrations just popped into my head and I just changed it without even thinking about it. (laughs) And I haven't looked back.
0: Well, I don't know if you would ever need to, but I also get that you are a man who loves to embrace change. So who knows? Um, I love it. Right. As we continue to evolve, then we just listen to the calls and that was actually a really beautiful conversation. There was a thread, um, that you had with, um, my favorite, one of my favorite shamans, Allison Charles. Mm. Uh, Yeah. She's, she's, uh, she's, scheduled on the show for this month, actually, cool. but, um, and it was all around, remember sacred reciprocity and of like answering the call and then honoring the call. Then you get more of the call, right? Like honoring by that, it, that action, that's an in integrity with the divine, not small self, right? Like, so is that the surrender that you're referencing for those listening? Right who are typically older than you women who might need more security at a certain season in life than they think they do. All right. Um, and that's really the shift right now. So just speaking into openings for my listeners to begin to contemplate that this is available for them as well, as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like, I feel like, first of all, I feel like we can only, we can only teach what we have first, first, learned. And I feel like for me, and when I look back in my life, I was always interested in writing poetry, and I would always study that. So I I was kind of, you know, um, learning and studying my whole life. And even, and, and that even got into like, meditation and yoga mm-hmm. and plant medicine and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that like, it's so important just to before you make any big changes, just to really explore the possibilities that life has to offer, and and see where your heart is being called to to go. And and I'm a big believer in just exploring and and treating life like an adventure. Yeah. So I think you need to try a lot of things and learn a lot of different things to see to realize what your purpose really is. Yeah. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: for me, it that it, I think it comes naturally. I think it is what I think our emotions are, our compass. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think it's like an intellectual thing where it's like, what can I do differently? How can I do X, Y, and Z differently? Or I want to be more like Michelle, or I want to be more like James. Mm-hmm. Um everyone has their own unique calling and their own unique path. Yes. So for me, I think for me, my emotions have always been my compass where it's been like, where, where does my heart want to go? Mm -hmm. And first start, start by immersing yourself in that world.
2: Mm. And
1: just, you know, it's, it's never, for me, it's never quite what you, what you want it to be. It's like, I want to be like, I want to be a Hay House author. Well, it turns out I didn't. Right. You know, I wanted to be a a self-help author. It turns out I didn't, or I wanted to be an advertising professional. It turns out I didn't, but I kind of needed to go on that journey to, to find my way. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer in just following where your heart wants you to go and being open to the twists and the turns that life presents to you. And I, I'm such a big believer in intuition and in Mm -hmm. following your intuition. Mm -hmm. And for me, The more I think about intuition, I believe it's more of a it's more about a physical sensation. It's about a feeling and an energy that is in the body, not in the head. Yes. But whenever I I want to make a decision, I always try to tune into my body and see what Mm. what is my energy saying.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, and
1: and stop stop analyzing everything with Mm. your conscious mind, but just sit with your feelings and 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 maybe practice meditation and see where you're being drawn to go and using that to to guide you.
0: oh, so good. It's so beautiful. Last night I was working um with my altar, which is basically my entire living room media consults where my television once was, <laughs> but hasn't existed for almost three years. but um, and a, and a thought came and it was, you're not here to quiet any thoughts, right? You're here to actually see what's there and to allow for it to exist so that I can feel it and heal it and alchemize it. And then who knows what, you know, I'll be guided to do with it, or if anything at all, sometimes it's just to allow it to be right. Other times it's to transmute it and redirect it or, um, but yeah, it's so, so good. I love that. I want to circle back to your awakening because this is part of a book that I'm also writing. And these are the moments that I don't think are spoken about publicly enough do you remember the exact moment that sort of, aha, I don't know if it was an initiation or if it was a series or from me, it just kind of happened in a, in a, in a conversation at a high end business mastermind in Sedona. And she said one thing, which I look back on and I know that was her opening the door. I courageously chose to walk through it and my life was forever changed and then of course the real work was the next, well, we're still here. It's, it's endless. <laughs> um, but do you remember that finite moment for yourself? Um, and and if so, like how you would describe it uh, when life changed on a dime for you and perception of reality?
1: I mean, there's been so, I, I think, I feel like there's been a lot of micro moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that sometimes life does change in an, in a moment and like people have this big fork in the road moment and I can't say that I had that I feel like it's been more of a it can also happen gradually yeah where you know one little hit at a time you know there's 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 definitely been a few I mean one was when I when I moved from Minnesota to New York City Mm. and I was struggling to find my grounding and uh, hurricane sandy hit the city Mm. and i had just signed a lease for my first apartment and it was destroyed Mm. and i became homeless and i was already running out of money i didn't have a job because i just took a leap of faith and moved to new york because i felt like i needed to do that but i didn't how old um i was in my late 20s
0: okay so young saturn return time all right exactly Ooh, yeah, feeling into that one for you.
1: And I really didn't know where to go or what to do and I'd know mm. where to stay. Mm. And my friend invited me. he had a friend who had this empty beach cottage on this little island in the Caribbean called Culebra. Wow. And we were both displaced from the hurricane. So we I basically spent my last money on a one-way t- ticket to Puerto Rico and then we transferred to this little rinky dink uh, plane to go to this island of Culebra. And I sort of proceeded to have a nervous breakdown, (laughs) but it was just a moment where I I felt like I was a failure. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was next on a daily basis. I didn't know when I would get off the Island. I don't know if I would ever return to New York city.
2: Mm. And it was,
1: I could not see the path forward at all. Mm. And for me, it was a big lesson in surrender Mm -hmm. where instead of avoiding the uncertainty to actually lean into the uncertainty,
2: mm, mm.
1: which it sounds so simple, but it's such a hard thing to do, to lean into the uncertainty yeah. and to find trust when there's nothing to trust. Mm, mm. Um, and I think this is truly where you can be in a position to be guided. When you, when you let go of control mm-hmm. and you surrender. So I was just sitting on the beach day in and day out watching the tide go in and out. I had nothing else to do. And <laughs> and that's when I started to notice that all my fears and, in- and insecurities that I was dealing with were all the voice of my ego. Mm. But the longer I sat and just observed the the ocean and observed my own thoughts and sat in that stillness that I began to, tap into the the voice of my intuition, which was again, more of a, more of a feeling than a thought. Mm -hmm. And that's where I had the idea for my first book, shit, your ego says.
0: Of course. Perfect.
1: Right. So what I thought was this worst thing that ever happened to me. And it was this, you know, it really was like a dark night of the soul, you know Um, but it was in that dark night that I found the treasure, Mm. which led me to being a public, a a published author and really launching a whole new life path for me. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really in the darkness Mm. in our, in that we find the treasure, you know, it's like, we don't want to go into that darkness because it's so unknown and scary, but it's really, we have to go, that's part of the journey Mm-hmm. And that's where we find, you know, I, th- I think that we find our, our our greatest treasure in our darkest moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one example for me where it <laughs> propelled me on a whole new trajectory.
0: Totally relate. And I have a feeling a lot of our listeners and viewers on the YouTube, which is a newer channel for us, but um, I imagine there's a lot of resonance here. I'm curious um, because here's what I love about words are vibrations, like everything. But one of the things that's, that's really present right now is, you say what you feel, you say what you know, you say what needs to be said, but yet there's no it's not obvious like what you know or what you're taking a stand for or embodying right as as a steward and a way shower of the new renaissance that you speak about so regularly, and we're gonna go there in a sec, but when was the moment that you realized we are, in fact, living in a matrix, and then to become the glitch that you would like to see in the matrix, which, of course, is one of my very favorite memes of yours?
1: Oh goodness! Um, <laughs> I know. When did I realize we we're living in a matrix? Probably when I started watching Terrence McKenna videos on YouTube. <laughs> so a
0: long time ago, because I know he's one of your all-time faves. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I think so much changed during the the pandemic. Yeah you know, and I think that we're still on the precipice of a lot of change yet to come, but I think that was the first wave of Mm -hmm. some big um, seismic shifts, both Mm -hmm. internally for so many of us and and Mm -hmm. for the outside world. I don't know. I feel like there was a moment during that. It's like to get, maybe to get a little cosmic here for a second. We're
0: all the woo over here. Yes.
1: I don't know. I feel like the, um, like the simulation just like cracked open (laughs) at that time.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. Um,
1: (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it. I feel like there was so much happening and there was a lot of evil being revealed Mm -hmm. the, the, like, like this deeply rooted systemic evil that exists in our world. And that infiltrates so many of our systems, political and economic and, otherwise. Right. And I think we saw that very clearly for the first time, so many of us. Right. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we also saw the light cracking through. Yes. And we saw the Mm. potential for what the world could look like.
2: Mm. Because
1: I think you have to, how do you, how do you um, remove sickness? You know, you need to get to the root of it. You can't just treat the symptoms,
2: right? That's you need the old... to get to the
1: root of it. Mm-hmm. So to get to the root of it, you need to see how bad it really is. Yeah. Just like in our own lives, right? Sometimes you need to see how, uh, how out of alignment you are with your purpose and be like, what am I doing with my life? Like mm-hmm. I wasted the last 10 years mm-hmm. and like, you didn't, but like, you might feel that way for a, for a moment and mm-hmm. and might think like, um, I need to change everything. Mm-hmm. But you need to you need to face that moment and 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 see how out of alignment things are in order to begin that change. Mm-hmm. So I think that the universe truly is, you know, the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. It truly is the the darkness and the light. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's it's a balance of it all. So I think that um I don't know. I just really started questioning the nature of reality during that time. And like I said, watching a lot of Terrence McKenna videos and uh, reading Terrence McKenna interviews where he would just, you know, just pick apart the nature of reality. And it's like, what, 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 what is this reality that we live in? Mm -hmm. You know, what, um, how does it all work? And, and, and especially like, you know, where do aliens fit in and
2: like (laughs) all these
1: questions. Right. And it's just, Mm -hmm. um, and i personally i found memes to be the the only way i could talk about it <laughs>
2: <laughs> because what we're
1: talking about here is not something that's so easy to to explain or like to give a lecture about because it's a mystery
2: totally it's a,
1: it's for me it's really about holding space for the mystery
2: mm. and
1: and and that's similar to um surrendering to the unknown and leaning into the uncertainty mm-hmm. is just honoring the mystery around us mm. because the best scientific minds in the world cannot even begin to explain where consciousness comes from mm-hmm. or what is the energy that's fueling the sun. Right. These are questions that we gloss over. You know, we, we talk about the big bang mm-hmm. and we pretend that that explains where the universe came from, but the Mm -hmm. big bang doesn't explain anything
2: because
1: where did the big bang come from? What happened before the big bang? It's like, Mm -hmm. that is a miraculous moment that we just gloss over.
2: Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just think it's, it's um, it can be daunting to question the nature of reality, but for me, it's, it's um, it's also interesting and exciting. And, and, and I found memes because memes are such a, there's such a this kind of existential, sarcastic, you can say things without saying them. Yes, there's a certain there's a certain nuance and subtlety and absurdity
2: and humor
1: (laughs) to memes that I found it to be uh, a format that was helpful for my own process into creating art about, you know, this mystery that that we live in.
0: Yeah, and it's so comforting. I remember when I first found your account, which was in 22. So not that long ago, early 22, right? When I was supposed to find it, I did. Um, And I've seen it grow quite a bit in this past 18 months, for sure. And it's just getting started is the way that it feels for me just as an observer. But where I found great comfort is like, these are my people, right? The ones who got it, Right, who honored it, who resonated with it. And even those who didn't, I'm like, and they're my people too. Like, it was like we're in a conversation that I believe is the most important conversation that we could be having because you spark curiosity and intrigue, deep insight. Um, It's everything. And yet it's almost like it's true art, it's up for interpretation. It's so incredible. And I just want to say thank you because in the moments when I would be in a dark, 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 um, you know, season, I would find the account, your account, and I would just find words of hope and resilience and transmutation that that really helped me and I know have for so many. Um, so I just want to say thank you for that.
1: Thank you. Yes, I you know, I think that I what I try to do with my work and my writing is is restore our relationship to the language of poetry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I mean by that is, you know, um, there's a certain there's a certain nuance and um the ability to you know it sparks poetry tends to spark more questions than it does answers. So for me it's about we I think we're at a place in society where our language and our collective dialogue is overly literal and 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 certain. Yeah and it's like turn on the news and i don't care if it's if it's right or if it's left or even if it's like you know this certain literalism that i find in a lot of spirituality where things are very literal or like cuz when you when you take li- language too literally that's where dogma comes from mm. right and i think like if, i think the origin of every religion was poetry or yeah. or mythology
2: yeah.
1: right it's metaphor yeah, it's storytelling yeah. Um, as one of my favorite books, the Tao De Ching says
2: mm-hmm.
1: the Tao that can be named is not the real Tao. Mm, yes. Right. And Tao yeah. is kind of another word for God. It's like, as soon as you try to label God too specifically, it, 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 it no longer works. That becomes dogma. It becomes too literal. So I think that poetry is the other end of the spectrum where it's speaking the language of metaphor, of um and i think it's the only way cuz i think we're stuck in this game of argumentative absolutes where everyone is so certain of this idea but then on the other side everyone is so certain of this idea and that certainty just clashes up
2: mm-hmm. with e-
1: mm-hmm. with each other
2: mm-hmm. so
1: for me i'm interested in my work is to like move the collective consciousness and soften art, mm. soften our own thinking our our, our overly logical overly analytical And our attachment to certainty, we're so attached to certainty Mm. that we just jump to these conclusions and we get entrenched in our ideology. Mm. And it's like, for me, that's a problem that language can solve. (laughs) Because if you soften our language and you learn to speak the language of poetry and myth and metaphor, Mm. then suddenly it's more of a cosmic dance Mm. than it is this, this war of argumentative absolutes.
0: Mm, Yeah. You know, you're speaking to something that I'm relating to, but in my own unique way, because to be honest, before I read an advanced copy of your brand new book that's coming out, um, what next month, is it February? February. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll link to that, The Art of You, the essential guidebook for reclaiming your creativity. Um, You described the book is about breaking down old paradigms that may have been holding you back in both life and creativity. And when I saw that, my first thought was, I'm not a creative, I'm not an artist. What do you mean, James? I The art is me. And then the more that I had the honor and privilege of reading it, and I was like, whoa, I totally get it in a new level. And then I could actually honor my journey of the last two and a half years of not really knowing how it makes sense, not knowing where it's all going. Do I still dress that way? Wait, I thought I was supposed to dress differently, right? All these things, right? That I know many are navigating in their inner world. but I was like, oh yeah, even those call to actions because I open up programs and retreats and things like that experiences, right? But it would be so absolute of like, this is what will happen when you do or when you don't enroll. And I was like, that is not the language anymore. It's like, hey, it's here if you feel called. There's two more seats. And I love it if it if it aligns with you. And it's a softening in the language. And I and I found because I was blessed by a very beautiful, abundant year, like that's effective. That lands. There, that's a language and an an essence uh, that's got sort of a texture, if you will, that I think feels more familiar. It's a remembrance of more collaboration and less control and domineering and, you know exclusivity and more inclusivity, which is exactly how you describe the principles in the new res- Renaissance. So I want to actually switch gears, but it was kind of a dovetail. I'm so blown away by what you wrote, and we're probably going to have to wait for my listeners to read the book. But high level, what is the new Renaissance? And then we'll go from there because I have some some questions for you around it.
1: Yeah. Great question. So I'll start by just saying that, you know, and, and, and one of the messages of the book is that creativity is human nature. Yeah. And when we suppress our creativity, we're suppressing our own nature. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, we are all designed to create, like we have intuition and imagination, which are portals to other dimensions, or we can tap into yes. new ideas, right? Yes,
2: James and ha- speak. Yes.
1: And then we have these these brains that can strategize and plan and learn how to craft things and these amazing human bodies with hands and and fingers and thumbs. You know how rare a thumb is in the animal kingdom? It's incredibly rare. And this gives yeah. us the ability to to craft and shape mm. and type and mm. write things into existence. Um, so for me, art is not about, we think of art like, oh, it's an oil painting or it's a watercolor or it's a sonnet, you know? And it's like, well, these are all just forms of art and they're all frankly old forms of art. You know, art is anything that you can imagine and bring to life with the power of your own creativity and ingenuity. That could be a business. It could be a podcast, you know, that could be a, an awesome dinner party, Um, it could be a relationship and relationship is something that you build and create and nurture
2: Mm. in the
1: same way that you create art,
2: Mm.
1: even your career, you know, the decisions you make in your career, are you making them out of fear or are you making them out of curiosity and exploration? Mm. So for me, creativity at its core is the sovereignty of consciousness (sighs) because what's the opposite of creativity? It's reactivity.
2: So are you going to re-
1: are you reacting to everything that's happening around you
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just following the crowd and following the orders of a of a broken society, mm-hmm. right? Or are you tuning into your own intuition to see what your soul wants to birth into reality? Mm. So for me the new rena- the new renaissance is all of us reclaiming that sovereignty of our own consciousness. Mm. So we can build new solutions. And it's more needed than ever, I believe, because the world, you know, it's, as far as I can tell, in my lifetime, it's never been more broken. When we look at the political systems, the economic systems, the environmental issues we're facing. um, And things are changing so rapidly with technology and artificial intelligence. It's mm. like, how do you navigate through all of this and i think it's a call for us all to contribute in our own unique way whatever that looks like
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um and i think we all are equipped to contribute in our own unique way so for me that's what the new renaissance is is because the the first renaissance that happened when in europe when europe was going through what, what we call the dark ages yep it was, it was not a good time. It was like there was famines and plagues and there was this dogmatic
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, adherence to the Catholic church mm-hmm. and there were burning witches and it was just humanity was not flourishing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was the, the philosophers and the thinkers and the artists who what they actually did was they looked back through history and looked at the ancient Greeks and they resurrected some of the ideals and principles of ancient Greece, um, into their own art. Mm. And what that led to was not just a flourishing of creativity and art, but a flourishing of culture. Mm. Um, you know, that, you know, that lasted hundreds of years. And, um, So, so for me, I think that the visions of the artists are like seeds that are planted in the collective consciousness Mm. and artists are the trailblazers and the innovators. Mm. And I think we, you know, only new thinking can solve old problems. Mm. Um, So for me, I think that we're ripe for a new, a new, a new renaissance. And um, it starts with people just aligning with their own purpose and learning how to bring that that purpose into the, into reality.
0: Yeah. And what about those who may be listening, but I know anyone anywhere has these thoughts because it was so ingrained in us from that self-help movement that is all of the 3d and definitely, uh, in disillusion, I believe, as we currently speak on some level, um, it was so hammered into us, right? You got to know your purpose or, you know, you suck. <laughs> you know, life is not worth living for. And then it just became this endless loop and vicious cycle of hunting for the purpose, aiming, striving, which is all ego. So for those who still f- just a little lost, would would uh, benefit from some guidance on, where's that first sort of opening to begin to tune into our unique purpose?
1: Mm-hmm so for me you know when i when i think of my own creative process mm-hmm. there's no agenda at the beginning of the creative process there's no mm-hmm. agenda there's no i need to i need to to do this cuz i think what 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 you're referring to is sort of like it's uh it's a stage of awakening right yes. so like if you're in that corporate rat race
2: yeah
1: and then you are easing out of that. Mm. And you're like, okay, I, 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 I tapping into my spirituality. It's time to find my purpose, but you're still bringing over some of the residual mindsets of, of that corporate world, which is, you know, like purpo- purpose is the new carrot that's in front of you that you're chasing. Yes, yeah. And if your purpose isn't as clear <laughs> as whatever authors and speakers that you are following then you're going to feel inadequate and insecure so it's kind of like taking the capitalist you know corporate mindset and then just like superimposing it over the spiritual journey
2: yes yes
1: and like I'm saying like that's like that that's that's not there's nothing wrong with that it's just it's a stage of of awakening Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but I think that the next stage is going to be Closer to the creative process where, where, where it's, it's, it's exploration without agenda. Yes. That's how I feel. So like, and my best ideas work this way where ideas just pop into my head when I least expect it, you know, Mm -hmm. or if I try to do something, it might not work, but if I let something come through me, then it ends up working better. And the Mm -hmm. ideas that just pop into my head are better than the ones that I obsess about. Mm -hmm. So For me, it's about being a vessel for what's trying to come through
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and not judging it against any other standards of quote, unquote, perfection or success, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone's journey looks different. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're trying to compete with the people around you, it's never going to, it's never going to work. Yes. So just following that, just that curiosity and, 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 and putting one foot in front of the other and making it playful, you know, it's mm. like, it's like, when you're exploring, you're just finding new things. It's like, you yeah. don't have an agenda, you're you're letting yourself be a vessel for for spirit to work through you.
2: Yes, yes. And,
1: and that's what I try to do with my with my own art. And I feel like that also applies to finding your purpose in life.
0: Mm, so beautifully said, it reminds me actually of this really great speech that Elizabeth Gilbert made on one of Oprah's stages at some point way back. And it was basically the curiosity of a hummingbird. Did you ever hear that? I don't remember. It was so good, but, but it's that. It's like we were raised, right, and programmed to think that we have to, you know, go to college and get married and have one job for 40 years. But what about all the the hummingbirds that get a little nectar here and a little nectar there and just explore, right, and allow themselves to be curious? And um, that's what I've allowed for myself because my journey looks very different than how, A, I thought it would be than others i've definitely had thoughts of am i behind wait no that can't be true you can never be behind like right just really getting clarity around the thoughts that like to roll around in the head um so thank you for offering that you know you beautifully spoke about the new renaissance and i know that you speak deeply into that in in your upcoming book so we'll link to that for sure but you also speak about true leadership within this realm Can you describe what that means and, or is there a distinction in these, this is basically two and one, if you can track it, new Renaissance between new earth, because I also know that you had a poem downloaded in you. And I was like, oh, I'm curious. I see these are the principles for new Renaissance, but how does that, or does it have anything to do with what so many people are talking about as new earth, which already exists in my view, but yeah, wherever you want to pick up on that, elaborate or- dive into?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I think that for me, the new Renaissance is the new earth or, or, or the the new Renaissance is the launching point for, for new earth. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um, It's how you get there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess for it, what that means, well, I guess what new earth, what that that term gets thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. And for me, the, what it means most of all is just applying a a higher consciousness to, to everything that we do.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And that includes like our supply chains, right? Mm
2: -hmm. It includes like
1: how we grow our food. It includes how we we relate to each other. Yes. It's like, uh, what does it look like when instead of we've history has been this long long, Progression of just blindly reacting. It's like that's what wars. That's where wars originate. Was like, oh, your ancestors hurt my ancestors, so I'm just going to perpetuate that trauma into the future
2: mm-hmm.
1: by hurting your family and your and your people. And you see that in in relationships where it's just, you know, um, unconsciously flinging trauma at each other. Yes. And this exists everywhere. This exists in business where it's like the cutthroat nature of business. Everyone's just trying to get ahead. Everyone's trying to one up the competition. And you even see this in, in art, or it's like you're measuring things by how much it's sold. And therefore you're then you're then, and then you're and then you start to engineer your creativity and your art and your art towards towards those numbers, you can beat the other people and it just becomes another rat race. Mm -hmm. Um, so this, it's like this mind virus has been installed Mm. in society and we see it infiltrate every, every system and every aspect of, of life. Mm. So I feel like new earth, and this is the beauty of it. It's nothing that we need to achieve
2: Mm.
1: or acquire, Mm. right? All it is, is removing the mind virus that tries to get us to, to fight and compete. It's like, um, even in nature, um, there is, uh, I think it's the grasshopper and the lotus. Have you heard about this? Like no. the grasshopper and the locust are the same animal. Um, but one is like sort of this friendly insect and the other is this, um, like a, like, like a fighter and like a killer and like, a like a pest. Mm -hmm. And it's just depending on the environment, it can go one way or the other. (laughs) So I feel like society is kind of like that, where it's like, we don't need to become anything. We're not, it's about removing the mind virus. So we do everything in, it's an even more natural way. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that humanity is loving by nature.
2: And, Mm.
1: and healing to me is not about acquiring something outside of yourself. It's about returning to your own nature.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's what new earth truly is. And that's the beauty of it. It doesn't require, doesn't require work in the, in the sense that we, that we think of it, it just requires to, um, remove the excess that's keeping us from our true nature, Mm -hmm. remove Mm -hmm. those, 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 um, those control systems and those control systems, systems that exist within our own mind. That's why I think it's so important to heal ourselves before trying to change the world.
0: Yes. This actually is the most beautiful full circle of that opening quote by one of your faves, right? Right. Like create a world or embody the world, right? That the old world just becomes obsolete. That's my experience. And I live in the LA area and people are like, how could you still be be there? It's an apocalypse over there. I'm like, I live in heaven on earth. I don't know about you, but I got Malibu in 10 minutes. I'm hiking the mountains almost daily. Like- I live in the most beautiful collaborative community and, you know, it's not my forever place. I do feel that um, unless there's a massive change in the next year or two, but, but meanwhile, I just really want to, you know, have peace right where I am and and create co-create my reality. So Thank you for sharing that. Just a couple more questions as we begin to close out. All right. If the grid goes down tomorrow, which obviously we're hearing lots of, you know, chatter about this could be a big potential even this year. What would you do? How would you fill your time? How would you make your money? Do you know yet?
1: Oh, no. That's <laughs> that's a question that's really hard to answer for everyone. Yeah. Unless you're a farmer. Yeah. I mean, money, I think where you make your money, I think that becomes a very moot point. Yeah. What's yeah. if the grid goes down, yeah. what is what good is money going to do you or like making money? I think all the rules change when that happens. Yeah,
0: so good. yeah In
1: fact, it could be you know, listen, that would be a terrible thing to happen and that would um, cause a lot of disruption and chaos. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it would be a great thing to happen in in, in, mm. in, in a law lo- in, in the long term sense, you know, mm. ignoring the immediate pain and panic and chaos that would ensue. Mm -hmm. I think that it would necessitate a return to community.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, um, I I don't know how well you know your neighbors where you live. I don't know my neighbors hardly at all. Mm -hmm. And that would necessitate getting to know your neighbors.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And sharing with them. And I think that would be so eye-opening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To not only to know your neighbors, but to depend on them Mm. and to navigate the situation together and to co-create a better alternative.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So the only thing that I know I would do is I would continue to meditate and I would do my best to to keep calm and keep an open mind and an open heart.
2: Mm.
1: Because speaking of leaning into uncertainty and the, the unknown, nothing would create more uncertainty than that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So showing up as your best self, being calm and composed and and generous and looking to and this this speaks to your question about leadership earlier as well. How can I, how could, how could I show up and, and be of service?
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: Right. So it's not about how can I make money? It's how can I be of service and how can I find something that I can do to be of service, to be valuable? Because in that scenario, your value quote unquote is going to be determined by how much you are helping others. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. Not how much, you know, wealth you're accumulating.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so
1: it would really reset our our priorities very quickly.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to whatever may come. You know, I mean, I've been preparing on on the deepest level with this, the inner work, the sacred rituals, the practices, and to be into deep devotion with so much of that. Which brings me to one of my va- very favorite memes of yours. And I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I wasn't there. And then I I saw it six months later. I was like, I think I'm. I think I might be getting this. And then about a year later, it was like, oh, and it was the true measure of success is a calm nervous system. It's a fave and it gets a lot of, you know, conversation going. Um, a lot of people have different thoughts around that, but I so agree with you. If if I'm ransacked and overwhelmed, then I'm no good to anyone. So I want to thank you for putting that meme out. Um, as we close, is there anything that you wish you would have been asked or that you feel compelled to share as we enter into um, a really exciting new year.
1: Well, I just want to thank you for what you're doing and for having this podcast and for, um, putting yourself out there and, um, with your own purpose. And, and, and I want to thank everyone for listening, for being on this journey Mm. and for being curious and being open-minded. And, um, and I think that, whatever, even by nature of you being here, by tuning in, you are, you are providing a service. You are, you are, you are contributing. Mm. And it might, even if you don't feel like you are contributing a lot in your, in your place in the world, um, just, it starts with a shift in consciousness. It just starts with a softening of the, of the heart opening up a little bit more. And even just, Wanting to have a, a, a bigger purpose, you know, and and even wanting to be of service and wanting to be more conscious, um, mm-hmm. it starts there. And even that is just a sh- a shift enough to make you of service to the world and to be a real contributor to so-called new earth. So, mm-hmm. um, just I just want to thank everyone for for being here, for listening, and for mm-hmm. um, you know, for for being on the life journey that you're on
0: oh, beautifully said thank you very much what an honor to sit with you i wish you just the most beautiful and blessed new year so many gifts coming your way and i know that the best is yet to come thank you james for your time today
2: thanks michelle
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to fire and soul if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe rate and review this podcast on your favorite pod player And if you'd like to connect on social, you can find me anywhere at Michelle Sorrow. Or if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks
2: for listening.